The following podcast is brought to you by Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. Just 45 minutes from downtown Toronto, you'll find the most beautiful, the most gorgeous, and the most affordable public golf course in Ontario. Trust me on this one, folks. Outstanding customer service. It's a great golf course. I shot 84 there the other day. Yeah, I don't know if I could play anywhere else, really. (laughs) Uh, Million-dollar views, excellent food, uh, great beverages, tremendous choice there, uh, and a terrific driving range and practice area, and of course, like a championship golf course to die for and always in pristine condition. And if you book your tee time online, rather than by phone, you save $10 per golfer, which as you know, is $40, $40 per foursome. Wow. That's enough to have lunch at the back nine bistro, brewski or whatever with your buddies, go to crosswindsgolf.com, book your tee time online. And when you get there, you make sure don't forget, tell them Hebsy sent you. Now, Mike, let's begin the podcast. Hey there, sports fans. Welcome to Hebsy on Sports, episode number 296. Mark Hebsher, along with Toronto Mike. And we've got a sensational show for you today. And I mean that sincerely. Well, how can I be sincere if I'm saying the show's sensational hasn't even started? Uh, let's start with the Blue Jays and their latest acquisition, Whit Merrifield. Remember a few weeks ago, I wanted to fucking kill this guy, this motherfucker. <laughs> right? Wouldn't come to Toronto, don't want to get vaxxed. And let's be honest. Anyone that wouldn't get vaxxed to us as Canadians, we took it personally, right? You won't get vaxxed to come to Canada, huh? What kind of a teammate are you? Well, guess what? He's one of us now. What kind of a teammate is he going to be? And we don't even know if he's fully vaxxed. He says he's good to go in Toronto. He says so. But that's not for another, like, 10 days. I don't know. I don't know if I like this guy. I know he had a couple of hits yesterday. I don't know. I don't know if I like this guy. Right? Oh, if it's a playoff team now, I'll get vaxxed. Right? I mean, is this the Aaron Rodgers vax? Like, yeah, I'm vaxxed. I mean, I'm, 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 uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Not vaxxed, but it's something like vaxxed. I'm immune. That's it. I'm immune. <laughs> Inoculated. Yeah, I'm immune. And I also did hallucinogens. I think I, I should tell you, I was doing peyote, LSD, Aaron Rodgers. What the, what's going on? He says he felt himself merge with the ocean. Okay. Got it. U.S. basketball star Brittany Griner sentenced to nine years in a Russian prison for having less than a gram of hash oil? You could have fucking smoked that before you got on the plane for crying out loud. Jeez. Uh, that's terrible. It was a dumb mistake, but come on, nine years. Meanwhile, the U.S. continues to allow certain Russians who are friendly with Vladimir Putin to have a work permit in the United States. One guy in particular is going to break Gretzky's record. Should they let him? What's the deal here? Grinders in, in jail and this dude is, and he's got Putin on his avatar, his social media avatar. What's wrong with this picture? Should the Blue Jays retire Tony Fernandez jersey number one? They gave it to Whit Merrifield. What the fuck? Come on. The poor guy's been dead two years. You're going to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the Blue Jays' first World Series coming up soon. Retire jersey number one. Don't give it to Whit fucking Merrifield. God damn it. By the way, should the Jays invite Robbie Alibar and Kelly Gruber to their 30th anniversary World Series festivities later this month? I'm just picking those two guys out because they've had issues. But they were on that team. Should the Sean Watson or the Cleveland Browns be suspended for more than just six games? Yeah, we've got it all covered on today's show. It's a big one. Let's say hi to Toronto Mike in the Toronto Mike Studios, the mothership in New Toronto. Hebsy man, how you doing? 
Loving this, uh, loving this summer weather. Loving uh, the heat and uh, very little rain. But when you get it, it, usually it's at night when you're like ready for a good storm. I'm digging this, man. I hope you're having a great summer. I am. Fantastic summer. Fantastic. Uh, by the way, to our listeners here, normally we do Fridays. This is Friday. Uh, twice this month, uh, I, I'm going to be away on Fridays in places where I don't know if the internet connection or the dial-up or whatever is going to be strong enough to support the show. So uh, on your calendars, the 19th and 26th of August, those are Fridays, switch those to the 18th and 25th. So you'll get up a day early and you'll listen to the show or watch the show on the Thursday, just a couple times this month. It's the summer, all right? I didn't want to take the days off and, and leave you void of a Hebsy on Sports podcast for that week. So we're going to switch up days. And it's cool with Mike, so, all right? Hebsy on Thursday is better than no Hebsy at all. Thank you. That's why I, I say that all the time on Thursday. <laughs> get that on a T-shirt. Yeah. Right. Mike, let's, I got, we got to get into this now because the Blue Jays are, I'm going to say categorically, will be in the playoffs this year. They'll make the playoffs. They will be one of the three wildcard teams. They should be the number one wildcard team, which will ensure that they have home field advantage in the best of three wildcard series. All three games would be in Toronto. Okay? So that's okay. what. there's your first step. Get to the playoffs, right? Get, get the home field advantage, at least the wildcard. You're not going to beat out the Yankees for the division. Yeah, the American League is the stuff, blah, blah, blah. But... Home field advantage, so you know you've got at, you've got at least two games at home playoffs, right? So this is the setup. You've got to have a team that's ready for this. Okay, you got, you got to make sure your pitching staff's okay. You got to make sure your George Springer's arm is going to be or elbow is manageable. So these next couple months is key, and this is where John Schneider has to have the right mix of players, and so that he can insert and rest and. You know, a little more rehab there. Oh, Springer's elbow's not good enough. Okay. He's not playing center field. All right, we got to get this dude here, this unvaxxed guy. Oh, no, I'm vaxxed. We'll get into that in a sec. But anyway, here's the story. Mm -hmm. Three weeks ago, Mike, three weeks ago, the Kansas City Royals traveled to Toronto to play the Blue Jays. In advance of that trip, they told, I think it was a few days in advance, that 10 of their players would not attend because of their vaccination status. So immediately, we're like, who, who the fuck? Who? Which 10? And one of them was Whit Merrifield, right? And we're going, Whit Merrifield, we know this guy. He kills us. He kills us for years. Good ball player, Whit Merrifield. So I believe I said at the time, no, I did say at the time, I don't believe it, unless I was hallucinating and I was with Aaron Rodgers. I didn't. I said, this fucker, who the fuck does this fucking guy think he is? Because he had said, um, I may change my mind depending on whether the team has a chance of a playoff run. He sort of intimated that, which was just, you know, you fuck. Like, why would you say that? Well, get vaccinated or don't. But now don't say, oh, I might. Because what he did was he basically said, well, you know, the Royals aren't going anywhere. And so I can afford to take these couple of games off. And, or, sorry, it was four games. I believe right. the Royals played in Toronto. I can afford to take these games off uh, because the team's not going anywhere. But he, he hinted that if it was a playoff team, playoff bound, he, he could change his status. So right then I said, oh, this fuck. What is that? That's yuck. I wouldn't want this guy on my team. I wouldn't. Well, that's, that's honesty. That's, that's but, but again, but, but I wouldn't want him on my team. Right. But obviously somewhere along the line, someone said, you know, nitwit. <laughs> um, it, if you want to get out of Kansas city and maybe make the playoffs for once in your career at the age of 33, you may want to rethink this and get, 
and get yourself educated because whether you go to Toronto or any other team, mm-hmm. like the Yankees or whatever, you know, you're going to have to go into Toronto and this, and he, and, and you know, explain that also to get into the United States, you know? And so, okay. Yeah, whatever. And now we trade for this dude. We trade, right. For a guy who said he might change his mind about being vaccinated. If he were playing for a team that had a chance for a playoff run, unlike the lowly Royals. And that's all you needed to know about the guy. So the other day when the Jays acquired Merrifield, immediately the question was, is he vaccinated? And so the game began. The media game began. The Atkins media game began. You got Merrifield. One question. Is he vaccinated? Well, I can't answer that. I'm not allowed to answer that. There's rules. There's medical. You can't reveal medical situation. Blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, we're peppering this guy. And I'm saying, <laughs> come on, there's no way. There's no way the Blue Jays would have made this deal unless it was contingent upon him being fully vaccinated. There's no way they would have made the deal unless he said, okay, I promise. Or he said to them, yes, I am. Like, did they say, can you show us your status? Or should we just believe you? Like Evander Kane. Oh, yep, yep. Oh, yeah, I'm vaccinated. Like, do you believe the guy? So this is my problem here, Mike. This is my problem here I have. Atkins deferred to Merrifield saying it was up to the player. It was up to the player to not only answer the question, but to explain however he wanted to, if he wanted to, if he felt he had to, his status. Come on. The Jays would never make a deal for a guy unless they knew he could play in Canada. Right, Mike? I think you're right on that one. Come on. Um, there's no way, right? There's no way. He said, you have I'm my, assur- Merrifield said, you have my assurances. I'm going to be that. I'm, I'm, I will be able to play in Canada. Because look at the schedule. They don't have to be back in Canada for nine, 10 days. And you know, you get the, I don't know which shop or whatever, the Johnson Johnson. Johnson uh, Johnson. There's, one a 14, shot. there's a 14 day, uh, and that 14 days after the shot, boom, you're good to go, right? Right. So he can count. If he can calculate his batting average on the way to first base, he can figure that out, right? So when did he get, so now it's like, when did he get vaccinated? Did he get vaccinated? Was it one shot? Did he do one shot? And he does another one after that? Like what combination of, and is it, do we need to know? So, when the game is on last night and Hazel May sits down with Merrifield and asks him straight up as she should, as she did, as everyone expected. Right. Right. And he said, basically, I'm, I'm good to go in Canada or words to that effect. I don't have the exact quote, but remember, this is a guy who was playing possum with us a couple of weeks ago. Like, what does that quote mean? What exactly? Like, you know, was that a definite, a definitive? Yes, I have been fully vaccinated. Or was that a, no, I'm good to go? You see, it was like Aaron Rodgers. So, no, Hazel can't say, so, uh, you're you're fully vaxxed like the rest of your teammates now? Yeah, like a follow-up. But not accusatory. So it's like, so it's like, okay, so you're good. So you're like the rest of your teammates. You're, you're good. You're fully vaxxed. Right, right. And if he goes, well, I'm, then you got to know that there's something going on here, man. That that somewhere so he got a, he got maybe a jab or or someone some doctor said to him oh you'll be fine you know you did your research you'll be fine you'll get you'll get a shot a week before you go or or what who knows but he never said yeah I'm fully vaxxed he said I'm good to go I'm good to go that's like your buddy who's hung over the next day and you go and he you can see he's freaking bleary I know that and you say are you okay to drive I'm good to go. Yeah, yeah, I'm good to go. Well, it's okay. a little different than that, but I hear you. Well, no, but you know what I mean? I'm, I'm good to go, okay? And now I can say, look, I can, privacy issues, I don't have to explain to you how many shots I had, what they were, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, 
You know, I don't talk to other players and ask them. I'm good to go. So we should accept that. Well, I don't know about this guy. I think this guy is, I don't know. I'm worried. Okay. Are you worried he won't be able to cross the border when he has to come here and play at the Dome? Is that like a, is that a legit worry you have right now? No, no. I'm worried that this guy's not the t- kind of teammate that you want to have. That's just it. That's really, that's all it is. You know, I mean, I hope, look, if he's going to play, I hope he, he plays great and the team wins. But I just, I don't know, man. You're not feeling this guy. I'm not feeling, I wasn't feeling him three weeks ago. And I haven't changed my mind because he still is being evasive. No reason to be evasive. Like, just say, I'm fully vaxxed and proud to be a Toronto Blue Jay. And let's put this behind us. I don't want this to be an issue ever again. I had to discuss it with my family or not, whatever the fuck. But come on, man. Yeah. What's with the cryptic language? Like, yeah, what? Yeah, it's clear about, yeah. And come concise. on. And remember, remember, he was not well respected a few weeks ago when he casually said that he might change his status if he were dealt to a contending team. That attitude, if you recall, people were like turned off by that. Well, what do you mean? You mean you're, you're dogging it with KC? Like you don't care? You'll forfeit your salary for four games to prove your point? What the, and now you've changed your mind now because you got a chance to go to the playoffs? I don't like this guy. Yeah, you know That's what? all I'm saying. You know, you're, you're, uh, the Hebsey and Sports fans yeah. that are live on YouTube right yeah. now are agreeing with you. Gordon says yeah. he seems greasy. I think that's a good Yeah, word. that's a good word, but not greasy, greasy. Like you, you make it, instead of an S, it's like a Z, right? Like greasy right. jungle. Right. Like, like, like Gordon, greasy. He doesn't, Gordon he doesn't say greasy jungle. He goes greasy. It's more of a, of a Z. Yeah, like rhymes of breezy. Greasy, like it's, it's more gritty. Anyway, yeah. And here's another thing. I think this guy, Merrifield's a fucking phony. And, and to me, like, I'll, I'll be I'll really honest with you on this one. Yeah. If he had any kind of class, he would, they said, here's Jersey number one. And he said, I'll take two. I'll take three. I'll take 10. But I can't take Tony Fernandez's number. The man just passed away. Legendary. 30th anniversary coming up of the Blue Jays' first World Series. This guy was a legendary man. I can't take his number one, right? Like that would have been, like, I would have forgiven him for all of it if he would have done that. Because I'm looking, I'm watching him wearing number one. I'm going, that's disgusting to see that. It's fucking disgusting that the Jays have allowed this to happen, right? That, that, um, fuck, who were, I'm just trying to think now, who were the, oh, I know, Gerard Dyson last year wore number one. I, I remember, Mike, I said, what's he wearing? And, but the one was the year before. A month after Fernandez died, remember? Uh, uh, Shun Yamaguchi. Right. Number one. A pitcher. A pitcher. And they said, oh, yeah, here's number one. Tony just died. He died in February. Tony died in February of 2020. And they gave this number one. I remember going, that's fucking disgusting. Fucking Shapiro and Atkins. Right, Shapiro. And, you know, and, and see, we didn't make a big deal about it because the Jays never played here in 2020. So there was never that, you know, it was often a distance. Right. And then twenty twenty, and then in twenty twenty one last year, well, you know they played some, but you know what I mean, like later in the season and all that. So that it never really came up. But to see a player run out onto the field at the dome wearing number one, okay, and not even a great player, like not even a a, a possible protege of Tony Fernandez, another Dominican shortstop. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm. Yeah, so and you already stuff. think he's greasy. Yeah, yeah. So if if I mean if Merrifield in any class, he would say, oh, I can't take number one. I'll take two. I'll take three because they're available. Two and three are available and 10's available and 14's available. Okay. So, but I mean, think about it. Shun Yamaguchi and Gerard Dyson. Okay. After Tony died. Right. That number, I'm sorry. That number should be retired. 
That's a great. Now, this is a, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off mid sentence. There, what were you saying? No, no, I'm just. I'm oh yeah, just, like number. It's a great debate, like because right now, like, we were wrong about the Leafs last week. So we thought only two numbers were retired. It turns out they've retired every other number. Like all those, all those numbers are retired. Like thirteen and seventeen and twenty-seven. Like these are all retired apparently. But what Blue Jay numbers are currently retired? Do we know? Do we retired? Right? No. Retired. Like, have they retired any numbers, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays? No. Okay. No. So you're, you're suggesting... Whose number, whose number would they have retired? Uh, I don't know if Roy Halliday's was retired or... Uh, Halliday, no one's worn it, but has it officially been retired, the 32? No. Steve's 37 is worn by Tasker and Andy. Yes, right. Like, oh, so so why is that okay? Oh, so well, is it because... wait a second. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. Yeah, yeah. Alomar, yeah. see, here's Alomar. No one has worn 12 since Alomar. I don't believe anyone's worn 12. I could be wrong. And that one ain't getting retired. <laughs> and that's, but, but that was, uh, they took his number down, which leads to the next story, which is you invite Alomar and Kelly Gruber to the 30th anniversary. I mean, this is all kind of wrapped up in one. Okay. You want to, you I, want to I celebrate, if you want to celebrate the past and you want to really glorify the Blue Jays, mm-hmm. who've been around for 45 years now, that's a long enough time to, to establish yourself as a franchise, as a, as a part of a, the fabric of this country and certainly of this city. Right. You have to look after 45 years. You have to take a look and say, all right, what number deserves to be retired? How, who, how do we honor the, the Alomar thing? I thought was very hasty. Like boom, bang, done. Not part of any like criminal charges. Like, like what? No, he just said, you're not part of major league baseball because you violated their sexual harassment policy. All right. That's fine. And you know, you should, he should be punished, but no, I thought it was pretty quick the way they, okay, that's it. Nothing. Well, so part it. of the thing there we're feeling, I think, is that we didn't get a single detail. So it was like, it was basically, we're not going to tell you what happened. You That's just right. have to trust us that what we were told happened Man, was severe I, enough that you'd be okay with what we're doing. And then yeah. we just sort of, we trust you. Like we just, but we don't know a thing. I think it's still in the courts or there's a civil, there's something going on because not a peep. And I know Alomar's people and I've spoken to them. It's not a peep. Right. He says nothing. He has to let the, he was, you know, he what. I, I won't even speculate on that. All I know is this. Does he deserve to be invited? Considering he was a key member of those two championship teams, does he deserve an invite? Mike. Okay, so my thought, first of all, we're told, I'm told by Scott Mayo on the uh, YouTube channel that Halliday's 32 is retired, and apparently 12 might be retired as well. But- that's right. Now that I think of it, that's right. He brought his wife, uh, his, uh, his widow, and his uh, sons in, and they had a ceremony, and they fit. Yeah, okay, okay. Okay, so, so my thoughts uh, on okay. this, again. And yeah, I know, tell me. I know what you know, but I, just taking the pulse of the, the nation right now. <laughs> oh, come <laughs> on. I want your answer. Yeah. I don't want zero I don't want percent. Well, again. Zero percent. Would you invite Roberto Alomar as part of the 30th anniversary celebrations of the World Series championship teams? Yes, you can't. You can't invite Roberto Alomar. Oh, you are so fucking wrong. Let's hear your take. He's a member of the team. He's a member of the team. He's not in prison. You can't rip a guy's name off the level of excellence and then invite him to the 30. You can't do both. Wow. Like once you rip his name off the level of excellence, you're not inviting him to anything. Let's hear your take because I have a different. If I'm a member of that team. And I find out that Roberto Alomar is not going to be there. I feel that that's a disservice. But he's not going to be there. How do you know? I would bet every penny I have right now that Alomar oh, really? is not invited what? to that. Really? Really? Yeah. What are really? the Bodog odds? <laughs> Give a fuck for Bodog. Um, why would you say that, though? I mean, was he convicted of anything? No, but clearly there was an edict from MLB. that From, M- from, ML- 
from yeah. MLB, right? right? In other words, he's your percent, your 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 persona non grata. You're not part of MLB right. anymore, right? Right. There was no, there was no, to my knowledge, criminal investigation, whatever. And and how do you serve that sentence? Okay, you lose your job, you lose your status with Major League Baseball. But should you lose your status as one of the great players ever to wear a Blue Jay uniform? Well, they don't invite Pete Rose to MLB. Well, well, wait, this isn't either. Pete Rose, Mike. Honest to God, I, if I could come to that, I'd punch you in the head. Well, you know my address. Let's go. Let's go. Because, you know, you're telling me that you wouldn't invite him. You would not invite this man to come. Because if you invited him, he would just what? He he would contaminate all the other Blue Jays and their fans? He uh, the make, fans won't want make, anything to do with the ceremony if he's there. Like, it completely would distract from what you you're would, celebrating. You wouldn't. You they wouldn't. don't even show his highlight anymore at the let's Dome. Ask, hey, hey, let's ask the fans. Would you okay. welcome Roberto Alomar as part of the 30th anniversary celebration? Uh, would you? I would. And I would also invite, and also Kelly Gruber, because they were part of the team. Two they're different part, stories and they're, here. And their team, no, they're not. One story. One well, story. One is a one, guy who got hammered one, and then was one, disrespectful. One story. One story. Why? What? Do you know what Roberto Alomar did? You no, don't know. I you don't have know. no idea. Do you know how strict Major League Baseball's policy is in-house of sexual harassment? Do you know anything about that uh, about the complainant and and what her history was? Uh, how many people she called out and had they lost their status? So instead of judging, why don't you say, "Man, I loved watching him play. He was a key member to that team. Love to have you." Well, we can't even have this conversation. With oh, yes, we can. Alamar you've detail. got you've got a grudge. Now you've got a grudge. I don't have a grudge. Alomar, I have great memories of Alomar, but so uh, why wouldn't you invite him? So why wouldn't you invite him? You can't literally, I see the line still when I'm at the dome where Robbie Alomar's name was. Like, you can't literally peel off his name from the level of excellence and then say, Robbie, come come to our 30th World Series anniversary celebration. Like, yeah, you could, yeah, you could. You could invite him. But can I just say, for Kelly Gruber's sake, that these are two different things. Like, Kelly Gruber, as I understand it, is it was at that Pitch Talks event with Ashley Docking where he got, he drank too much alcohol and then was disrespectful to Ashley Docking, right? That's his crime against humanity. Is there anything I'm missing? Did, did Robbie Alomar ever do anything in front of Blue Jays fans similar to what Kelly Gruber did to besmirch the Blue Jays in person? Did he? Not, not that I know of, no. Okay, all right. So what do we know about Kelly Gruber? What do we know about Robbie Alomar? And were there transgressions such that they should or shouldn't be invited? You're saying Robbie Alomar should not be because they peeled his name off the level of right. excellence yeah, and right. that Kelly Gruber should be because he got drunk once I would forgive. I think there's room for forgiveness with Mr. Gruber. How about in both? How about it with Robbie Alvin? Why don't you show some forgiveness? Okay. He was a fantastic player and, 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 and he lost his job, which maybe is punishment enough, but not for you. No, no, don't invite him. Anyway, we're talking about a guy and we have no clue what the hell he did. All we know is he's been erased right. from Blue right. Jays history by the officially sanctioned historians. Like, literally erased. You can't Let's ask the fans. I'm just saying, would you like to see Robbie Alomar at the 30th anniversary? Yes or no? no or just all. early. I'm just That's looking over. That's just real quick. You uh, and I disagree on this one. Sure. So okay. Jeremy V agrees with you. Uh, I, I don't want to hear it now. We'll get into it later. You, you, you later. let me okay. start collecting it all. Okay. Let's, talk, okay. let's talk about this team that's going to make the playoffs this year in front of 39,000 fans, most of whom were from fucking Kenora, Rainy River, Thunder Bay, Winnipeg, Moosamin, whatever, all of Western, part of Western Canada and Northwestern Ontario showed up. They were all there, but they're going to be there for the whole weekend as the Jays take on Minnesota, beat them 9-3 last night, all right? 
Alec Manoa for the second game in a row. I don't know what the odds would be on this one. Second game in a row gets hit on the pitching arm with a comebacker. Okay. The guy is made of steel. If he takes two whacks right off the pitch, he's fine. Shook it off. Mind you, he didn't have his best game, but he wasn't pitching that great before he got hit. Um, he went six innings, gave up two runs, two hits, four walks for Alec. In fact, uh, he walked the guy, with, you know, he hit a guy with the bases loaded, right? Man, he was, he was, he was off, but still they won. Uh, Meza and Garcia each went a scoreless inning and newly reacquired Anthony Bass gave up a home run in the ninth inning. Final score was 9-3. Jays banged out 13 hits, including a three-run bomb by Vladdy, his 22nd, and first in 16 games, according to Bubba O'Neill, who tweeted last night, what's with Vladdy? Vladdy, only one homer in his last 16 games. That's not good enough. And then like 10 minutes later, boom, boom. shot. Uh, solo blast from Teoscar, his 16th of the year. Game two is tonight with Jose Barrios, or is it Barrios? Going up against his old mates, a Tyler Mayo goes for the Twinkies. Jays own the top wildcard spot, two and a half games up on Seattle, three better than Tampa. And they must, must hold on to that spot in order to uh, have home field advantage in the best of three wildcard series, all games in Toronto. Okay, Aaron Rodgers, quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Nicholas Cage lookalike, blah, blah. Um, fucking right winger weirdo. Claimed last year that the NFL was conducting a witch hunt. Remember that, Mike? A witch hunt. After he casually told reporters he was immunized, but never did say that he was vaccinated. He was fucking around with people. <laughs> same like the sort of, you know, Merrifield was kind of doing the same thing, but he's not nearly as high profile, but still didn't like him. Don't like that shit. Okay. I'm sure Packer fans will forgive him because they're Packer fans. And I get that. But yeah, this is the same Aaron Rodgers who admitted recently that the best year of his career came after he ingested ayahuasca tea, which has an ingredient known as DMT, which is used as a recreational psychedelic drug. Now, I don't want to go into too much detail about my childhood, but I've ingested some hallucinogens in my time. Really? Okay. Many <laughs> years ago, right? Now, how old is Aaron Rodgers? 40, 38, you know? Something like that. All right, great. So he's taking this stuff and it's illegal, folks. This is a psychedelic drug, man. This is freaking acid. This is shrooms. Psilocybin, is I think we call it. Psilocybin, that. whatever the fuck you want to call it. Okay. So Roger says, so they, you know, they said, well, how did you feel? He says, after taking it, quote, I felt myself merge with the ocean. So, Mike, here's my question. All yeah. right. This yeah. guy's taking an illegal psychedelic drug all right there's drug testing in sports there's this like and this guy is basically saying you know fuck all of it i'm not immunized i'm immunized but i'm not um i'm not uh vaccinated all right uh and remember he was talking with reporters without wearing a mask and all that kind of a thing right and now he's saying you know not only do i not am i not vaccinated but i've been you know i take recreational drugs i mean you know i've been ingesting ayahuasca tea jesus christ really the fuck so should the nfl get involved here i mean if you're suspending guys for you know way you know i'm not way worse crimes but if you're if you're if you have a drug policy and now and now one of your star players is basically saying yeah man i'm taking lsd <laughs> the fuck um am i making too much of this yeah, like I'm uh, I'm hoping the NFL doesn't do anything here. Like I'd hate to see them come down on somebody for taking recreational psilocybin. Like uh I don't know what I'm, But I'm it's you know, but it's illegal. Yeah, I know, okay. but you know, illegal schmeagle. Like it's uh 
You know, you're not harming anybody. I would love to hear your take on this. I know you want Alomar at the 30th anniversary. Do you want Aaron Rodgers to get a, uh, the NFL uh, sanction yeah, somehow for taking? Yeah, that? yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. I think Aaron Rodgers. You don't yeah, like I, I don't think. I don't think you can go out there and say, "Yeah, I've been doing," you know. Uh, psychedelic drugs and uh, and again remember you're admitting that you're doing something you know that's against the law in a drug culture where the league itself right does not want to hear of any player certainly no player i'm talking about steroids here just don't want any player coming out and saying that they're taking drugs especially at aaron Rodgers. so he if he feels he's above the law man maybe the nfl should uh, you know bring him down a peg or two We'll talk more about the NFL and their okay. laws in a couple minutes about another transgressor. But uh, first, the story about U.S. basketball star Brittany Griner, who was sentenced to nine years in a Russian prison after being convicted of possessing less than one gram of hash oil, which she says was in her luggage by mistake. Um, and she had no intention of, you know, dealing drugs or, you know, getting the Russian population hooked on, you know, marijuana or anything like that. Right. She made a mistake. But that's a pretty big mistake. And in Russia, too. You know, like grown woman, you know, not a teenager. Come on. You know, you were in a hurry. You were stressed. You had it in your luggage. Okay. So in essence, what happened here was she had to plead guilty in order for there to be a prisoner exchange possibility between the Russians and the Americans. And now you're into several levels of diplomacy and, you know, state department and fucking foreign affairs. That's way beyond me. But basically it comes down to this. Once Griner admitted that uh, uh, her guilt and was sentenced, um, now there can be uh, now because the Russian system has to look like it was the correct system, uh, the judicial system. Um, now they can make arrangements. The only problem is, is that the Russians are going to want these killers, murderers <laughs> that are in U.S. prisons or prisons elsewhere. They're going to want them released in exchange for Brittany Griner. Right. They're using her for sure as a pawn because she's a big name and people are like, come on, bring her back. This is like ridiculous. Right. Um, which brings up the question. And this was uh, and I'm going to give credit here to broadcaster Keith Olbermann, who pointed out that if Alexander Ovechkin, who has um, Putin on his avatar, his Instagram avatar, and is obviously a very good friend and supporter of Putin and his regime, if, if he's allowed to work in the United States, have a U.S. work permit, right? Right. What's wrong with this picture? Why is he allowed to be a Putin supporter, earn money in the United States, and have a work permit when Brittany Griner is going to spend, you know, has been sentenced to nine years for, like, like hash oil? Like, this doesn't make sense. Something has to be done here. So, like, can't, you know, could you go to Alex Ovechkin and say, uh, sorry, man, we're not renewing your work permit that'll could be the swap that? let's do that swap i bet you do go that? back to russia and we bring griner back to america could you do that though see i mean this is a guy on his way to breaking gretzky's record and you're going wait a minute this guy's a putin supporter this guy supports this regime which means he supports you know keeping britney griner in jail because he's a putin supporter he's a buddy like that's very distasteful it is like, wild he still has that picture as his Twitter. Like right now, you can I know, it. I know. It's still there. But here's the thing if he takes it down, Putin calls him and says, uh, We're threatening your family. What, what did you do? Taking down that avatar. And believe me, once he takes it down, the whole world's going to know that. Oh, and Putin's yes. going to be one of the first to know. 
What the fuck, Ovechki? Um, anyway, I just, yeah. Um, all, all very interesting. Now, Brian points out that there's prob- this swap is probably prearranged or whatever. Like this sentence doesn't mean anything. It's all symbolic because there is a, a swap that will take place now to bring. May, may take place, may take place. But just remember the backlash when the family of the person that was murdered yeah. by the guy that's being swapped for Brittany Griner, the family says, what the fuck? Right. You're letting this guy go back to Russia for a, a basketball player. Right. Right. My family was killed by this guy. Terrorist. He's terrorist. Right. Okay. And now, so now you're getting into other stuff like the same with the live golf tour. Like you're taking money from these guys, murderers, like, okay, where's it all coming from? Anyway, um, I tell you this right now, if Ovechkin is still, still has Putin, uh, is still Putin's buddy. When he comes close to breaking Gretzky's record, you are going to, it's going to be a shit show. <laughs> all right. Because he's Ovi has to know he must know that this is wrong. It's wrong for him to do that. But is he in a situation where he can't get out of that? And he's if he not does, talking about it, so I, I oh he won't oh he won't talk about it. Right. So I find it very distasteful. Speaking of distasteful, yeah, Deshaun Watson of the Cleveland Browns was suspended for six games by uh, I, I guess an independent arbiter. Um, uh, which I found to be odd anyway, but a six game suspension. And immediately people were like six games. There's like 70 some odd women that have come forward charging him with sexual assault. One of whom who was supposed to keep quiet, broke her silence to, and came forward yesterday to say, I, I don't care what happened that I, people know who I am. This can't, this can't happen. Six games, six games. So the National Football League came out and said the other day that they are appealing the suspension. So at first I thought, oh, what they think six games is too much. And then I realized, no, 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 the NFL has got to save face here. Okay, they've got to. In light of what's happened in recent years, stuff they've swept under the rug. They've delayed the Ray Rice thing in the elevator. They're fucking tons. The NFL is the worst. This they got to make it right. So now it's up to Goodell. He can say, we, we don't think six games is nearly enough. We want it to be one year or two years, or whatever. I mean, when you're accused of multiple, multiple, multiple sexual assaults against massage therapists, one of whom has come forward, you talk about brave, you talk about guts, chutzpah, that this woman should come forward on national television, have her face seen, and say, yeah, this is what happened to me, and this cannot happen to others, and the NFL has to do something! couple of thoughts. One, they structured his salary, right? In so that he wouldn't. So he only makes a million dollars this year. So if he misses six games, he loses $400,000 in salary. That's bullshit too. And even if he misses the whole year, he loses a million dollars. It's all fucked up. It's all fucked up. And then think about what they did to Ricky Williams for smoking weed. Yep. Oh, wait a second. What did they do to Colin Kaepernick? Yeah, that one's a this whole fucking less documented. This league has got so much money and so much power, and so blind to social issues. It's not even funny. It's not even funny. You've got guys running around multiple, like come on, seventy some odd times. What the fuck? (laughs) Like who knew? This is another thing. Here's another thing. Who knew? And can these people sleep at night? Like if you knew that Deshaun Watson was doing all this, like could you really sleep at night? knowing this is good, he's going to get caught and then they're going to come to you and you're going to go, oh, I didn't know. I, didn't know. I had no idea. Like, really? Well, ask the hockey Canada people. about. Yeah. That. Oh, it's, you know what? I'm taking a break from that story this week because it's, 
I don't Too know. Much. It's, it's going, it, it'll, it'll, it'll move at its own pace. Uh, Novak Djokovic has pulled out of the National Bank Open in Montreal. Was that called the, is that called the Rogers Cup? Is it the Rogers Coupe Roger uh, at the uh, Banque Nationale, Louvre? I don't know, whatever. Anyway, it's the Montreal one. They're, the men are there this year. Uh, and it's his vax status. He hasn't changed. He's not going to vax. And uh, the U.S. opens in a few weeks. He's not going to vax. Right. There's two countries. But he's, on, but he's honest about it. You see, at least right. he's, you know, he's honest about it. Right. He didn't wait till the draw, which is today, I think. Right. He didn't wait for the draw like last time. And then say, oh, I'm pulling out the Australian Open or whatever. Fuck the whole thing around. Right. But at least he did that. But at least he says, I- I'm not vaxxed. OK, like I give him that. I can't stand the guy anyway. I give him that. Not like Whit Merrifield. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm good to go. Come on. So, you know, get the shot and you can play here. And if you don't give a shit about the U.S. Open, it doesn't mean that much to you. You'll, you'll do it. Ne- you'll, you know, maybe by next year, Australia will. Well, they already have. They'll let him in next year. That's not till next January or February. Like he'll get his record number of grand slams and he's not going to change his status just to satisfy you know oh, no at this he's indeed he's, uh, he's yeah. married to the principal here like he's he's yeah you will never get that jab in his arm There's yeah no logic involved yeah 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 um so yeah there you go i watched uh, bianca and rescue this week she's not uh, she's not good not well she's injured uh, her back uh, it's really sad it's too bad she's 22 years old uh Right? You, know, you called her a flash in the pan once, and then I was like, okay. more than once. No, no, more than once. Multiple more than, times. Multiple and, times. Uh, because, you time, know, as she played, she was a on. great player at that time. 2019. She, she got a couple of good breaks, you know, uh, but she was awesome. But as so many other athletes in the past, and, and look, I mean, the combination of injuries and COVID and I, I think her mental health too. I just, you know, I think, I think what's happened with Naomi Osaka uh, has really brought to light the the struggles. You know, I always thought for years, you know, when you looked at young girls, especially like uh, Jennifer Capriati or, you know, uh, um, just all that. And you think, you know, they were teenagers when they started. It's a lonely existence on the road. You've got nobody else. It's just you, right? You could have your supporting cast or whatever. That's got to be a very difficult existence. And when, you know, when I saw, I watched the documentary with Naomi Osaka. I couldn't watch the whole thing. It was so sad. She's sad. She's a sad. She gets no joy at all from playing tennis, from winning. But Capriati took a break. Remember? She took well, she break. had to because she, she had drug problems. She was like 15 or 16. She had started when she was 13 years old. Right. And her right. father would show up on the courts and yell and scream. And, you know, you look at this and, you know, and Bianca had come out and said, you know, that she really needed to take the break. And then I'm trying to think who else. Oh, um, here, um, Brooke Henderson. Uh, before she won uh, the Avion, uh, the major, uh, a couple weeks ago. She, she had to take a break. She was great to get away and be with her family and recharge. It was very important to her, you know? And uh, she she didn't realize, I mean, and again, she's what, 23 years old, Brooke Anderson? And you, she been grinding it out since she was like 16, 17. Never took a break, like a real break. And so, you know, revitalized. So when you see this, you think, man, this has got to be tough. And I saw this documentary with no one. It was so sad. This poor girl is one of the great tennis players in the world and gets no joy from it at all. Gets no joy. Does not want to talk to people about stuff. Doesn't enjoy, just doesn't have an enjoyment. Has a sad look on her face. And, you know, I'm thinking, you know, what, what will bring her joy and whatever it is, can she go, can she achieve that? Or can she follow that? 
there's something for her. But tennis doesn't seem to be it. You know, and imagine you're running a tennis tour and you're going, oh, is this a big draw? But she said, I, I don't want to do it. Or I, I don't want to talk to the media. Or, you know, that kind of a thing. It's just, it's, it's kind of, it's really sad. Sad to see that. You know, you would like to see, obviously, like see joy in, you know, these young athletes. You want to see them, oh, they're, have, they're enjoying themselves. They're competitive. But to see this, just the sadness of it. And the kind of, I don't want to do this anymore, or I never, or, you know, I used to enjoy, you see pictures of her when she was young and she's enjoying it. And now it's like, just sad. Like she can't even, like, if you remember when they're taking photos of her, when she won the U.S. Open that year, she couldn't even crack a smile. And when she did, it was that fake smile. It was sort of that sad look and they're going, smile, come on, Naomi, smile. And she just sort of make that crinkly kind of mm, like that, man. So a lot of people are going through this. And to see it, you know, happen before your eyes with with young people. Well, we've destigmatized this. Like there was a time when you would not ever come go public about this because people would say you're weak. You're, yep. Uh, yep. Like, you know, suck it up, Buttercup. Yep. Get out yep. there and play. But now that we've, uh, you know, we're talking more openly about mental health challenges. That I think she right. feels the, the the freedom to express her true feelings on this. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, again, it could be to the detriment of the sport but for the betterment of her, her health, which is really what it's all about. Right. You're doing it for you. You're not doing it for other people. In golf, the Live Tour is going to court. Three players uh, for the Live Tour are going to court against the PGA, saying that they qualified for the FedEx Championship, which takes so – this is the last week of the regular tours this week. And then the FedEx Championship, which is a three-tournament, uh, you know, countdown with the top 125 – uh, FedEx players going for big money, $10 million, all that stuff. Well, these three players have already qualified for the FedEx championship due to their play on the PGA tour before they left to go to the live tour. Um, and they, they're saying that they should be allowed to play in the FedEx championships because they've already qualified. PGA tour says, no, I'm not going to allow you to play. You've taken live money. You're out. Can they get away with that? The courts are going to decide, Mike, if you earned your way, if you had already been told you have qualified, you have qualified for the FedEx championship. And then they said, no, 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 no. Sorry. You're ineligible because you, you joined a rival tour. How would you feel? Oh, you'd, you'd feel bad, but I bet you anything, the lawyers stuck a line in that uh, contract or agreement that says we reserve the right. Like there's going to be that blanket statement in there that the PGA tour can disinvite anyone for any reason they want. And I'm sure in court, wouldn't, that wouldn't hold up in court though. No. No, I don't think so, because the PGA Tour is already involved in an investigation by the Justice Department as to um, the Sherman Antitrust Act. So you know what antitrust is, right? It's a monopoly. Like right. baseball, baseball was exempt from antitrust laws. It was a monopoly, right? No competition. PGA Tour believes it can act that way. The investigation is, do they have the right? To uh, can they categorically say you may not earn a living some other way, uh, and at the same time say, and uh, we're changing our rules, even though we told you this, but you did that, so you no longer qualify. If I'm one of the players, I'm going. I absolutely qualify. I absolutely should be allowed to. So yeah, we'll see what you happens. feel shitty. That's I, no, I find. Oh no, 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 I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. I earned it. As, and I don't think that the other players are going. You motherfucker, you're coming. Uh, you went to the. They're not. The players are going to the other guys. Look, man, good for you. I'm not going to judge you, man. You got a chance to make twenty million, hundred million. Go. 
But if I'm playing against you, you're telling me the guy's going, fuck you, you're on the live tour now? I don't know about this that. This PGA versus live thing, which... Uh, it's more I a think... media fight than it is a golfer <laughs> fight. It is. It's a, There's people on this side, people on that side. People who follow the PGA tour or get paid by the PGA tour or their living is based on the PGA tour are, a lot of them are, you know, like taking shots at live tour people, right? You know, but I'm, but I also believe that if the live tour came to them and said, hey, we'll give you 20 million, that they would go. But anyway. Uh, Brooke Henderson, uh, the aforementioned, is battling uh, in the Women's British Open right now. She's in uh, their round two going on. She's four back of the leaders with many holes left to play. Uh, on the PGA Tour, it's the Wyndham Championship, the last event prior to the FedEx Championships. Uh, listen to this leaderboard. John Ha, Sanjay Im, Brandon Wu are the leaders. So that's Ha, Im, and Wu. That's seven letters in total, Mike, for the leaders <laughs> of the window championship it's got to be a record it's got to be a record least number of letters surnames think about it huh m woo that's a good one <laughs> michael gligich which is you know far from that uh who for sure has played crosswinds in burlington because he's from there uh he's the top canadian five under par four shots off the lead nick taylor and mackenzie hughes are both at minus three mackenzie hughes still hasn't gotten his golf clubs or his luggage back from the British Open a few weeks ago. Like, remember that? Remember I told you about that story? There was a huge, there was a picture of all these golf clubs at the, uh, at the airport in Edinburgh. Right. Like just tons and tons of golf clubs like, like lying there. And I saw it. I said, I will never leave my golf clubs out of my sight if I do that. Well, Mackenzie Hughes never got his sticks back. So he's three under par without his favorite, you know, like without his golf clubs with someone else's clubs or a backup set. So that's pretty good. Pretty darn good. Uh, last week, I shot an 84 crosswinds. Uh, pretty uh, excited about that. Looking forward nice. to there again this weekend. Just a fabulous, fabulous day. Vin Scully passed away earlier this week. I'm sure you've heard and seen as many, and there are many, uh, tributes to Vin. I uh, met him twice. Wonderful guy. But here's the best part of the story. So I called him the first time was in 1978. We're doing a thing, a radio thing or a tribute for Mel Allen, the great Yankees broadcaster. And my job is to contact and I got the phone numbers of all these guys, all these guys, Harry Carey, Howard Cassell, Red Barber, Ernie Harwell, Vin Scully, Jack Buck. Uh, I'm trying to think uh, just tons of guys, uh, all great play by play guys. And I wanted to get an audio, you know, over the phone from them, uh, a clip, you know, saying, uh, talking about Mel Allen. You know, hey, Mel, it was great. You helped me along. You're a great broadcaster. Best of luck, blah, 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 blah. That kind of thing. Tributes to Mel Allen. And so I got all these phone numbers, and one of them is Vin Scully. Wow. Oh, great. I'm a kid. And I pick, and I dial the phone, long distance, whatever. And second ring, hello, Mr. Scully. Yeah, hi, Mark Hepsher. Hi, how are you, Mark? We're doing a thing for Mel. Oh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. That's fine. Are you rolling? You're rolling. Yeah, go ahead, man. Blah, 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 blah. And does this nice tribute, beautiful. Uh, did you get that? Yes. Thank you. Wonderful. Terrific. So I say to him, I got him on the phone and I say to him, I just want to let you know, you know, I'm from Canada here and we, you know, we, we, I've never heard your broadcasts before, but I've, but I've heard, like, I've seen you on the game of the week and doing sports and stuff like that. And he's, oh, it's a wonderful thing. Tell me about Toronto, right? Tell me about Toronto. I was up there many years ago. I was in Montreal. Tell me. And I'm, we're having a conversation. I'm a kid, right? I should have taped that as well. Surreptitiously but I didn't. But anyway, long story short. All right. He says, you've got my number. If you ever need anything, don't hesitate to call. Wonderful. All right. So we get the clip from him. It's terrific and all that. A couple of years later, I'm working in Montreal. The Dodgers are in Montreal for a series. 
I go into the booth. I, 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 I extend my hand. I go, uh, Mr. Scully, Mark Hepsher from Toronto. I'm working in Montreal now. He goes, huh? No, I say Mark Hepsher. He goes, how are things? He says, you're from Toronto. What are you doing here? I'm working in Montreal now. He remembered. Oh, wow. And you know this, Mike, when someone famous remembers your name, remembers, it's the greatest feeling in the world. Oh. In the world, when they call you by name, they, they remember. So those are my memories of Vince Scott. Like, there you go. Like, that, but I'm so happy to hear that story because wonderful. Just some, and here's my, and I still have his mic. I got the phone number still here. Wow. I'm serious. I'm going to pull the phone. I'll, I'm telling you right now. I got this number. It's not, it won't, you could call it now, but no one's going to answer. Uh, wow. If <laughs> <laughs> we call it live on the air here, see if anybody right, answers. You can leave my mat. Oh, man. So, anyway, that's the Vince Scully story. And uh, every tribute, every tribute that I heard just made me love him like even more every story that i heard one story where and i didn't know this he was apparently filthy like a wafer he was filthy he told great dirty jokes and he dropped oh, he could drop f-bombs in that i'm just oh my god like my my mind could not um <laughs> comprehend yeah like you met well that's funny though mr rogers was oh my god but but Vince scully like come on uh, uh in the you know in the year of the improbable it's the fucking impossible. Like there's just, I could not like, you know, I, he ha would have had to have changed his voice. He would have had to have like lower it a few octaves like, ah, for fuck's sake, like that. And your parents, was, your parents on their honeymoon saw where the Brooklyn Dodgers played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. My parents on their honeymoon were at Ebbets Field in Brooklyn. So this was 19. So Vin would have been doing the games. Right. Exactly. This was That's 19, where I'm going. 1952. So the Ebbets Field in Brooklyn. So Vin Scully would have been doing the games with Red Barber. He would that. have been. He would have been Red Barber would have been the number one guy. Vince Scully was the number two guy in 1952. Uh, that year, they also went to Yankee Stadium to see the Yankees right. at uh, the old Yankee Stadium, the real house that Ruth built. That right. would have been uh, Mel Allen doing the games there on the radio. Um, oh, and, then, and the Giants games um, would have been at the Polo Grounds, and that would have been Russ Hodges. The famous call, the Bobby Thompson home run, was the Russ Hodges call. Oh. You know. Well, like just rack, six, rack, seven rack, rack of throws. There's a long ride. Beat left. It could be the Giants win the pennants. The Giants win the pennants. The, the Giants win the pennants. Wow. That was that one there. Because, but that yeah. story was red. Uh, the story there was apparently Vin, Vin, no, Red Barber had also made the call, but he was on TV while the other one was on radio or something like that, right? They could switch back in those days. You you know you do this inning on television and you'll do that inning on radio. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay, so so sixty seven years with the same franchise, like that's wild when you yeah do the math. Sixty seven years with the Dodgers in Brooklyn yeah. and then L A. And just one go quick, and I know you know right. this, but just interesting that you know the Joe Carter walk off in Game Six against the Phillies. Like we all, <clears throat> Tom Cheek's call has become like the thing of legends in Toronto. Fine, well, of course. That's the Canadian radio, Tom Cheek calling it, you know, touch them all. Joe, Sean McDonough was doing the TV. So we all watching on TV. We saw it, Sean McDonough to come make the call. Ah, but CBS radio though was. Right. Vin Scully. Yeah. So was the, which was the third time I met him, but I never got to like, you know, I sort of like whatever, but I never really got to, but, but yeah, I remember that day. So it's just interesting that you, you know, it's on YouTube right now. I actually played it on my show yesterday, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Vin Scully calling the Joker. And what I like what Vin does, which I like it, in those moments is Vin shuts up. Like he calls it and then he's quiet for, a good, you know, let's the crowd right. tell the story for, you know, 90 seconds or a couple of minutes or whatever. And then he kind of tells you what exactly transpired and everything. But yeah, great call because of how minimalistic it was. Like it's a great call. So what you need to do is the greatest call ever in baseball history. The greatest call ever was Vin Scully's call 
of Sandy Koufax's perfect game in 65. Right. It's, it's considered to be like the, the, the immaculate inning, right? Right. Because he paints you a picture, right? First out, second out, the drama, right? It's going for a perfect game. And he creates the backdrop so that you can close your eyes and listen to this, right? Nobody saw the game unless you were at the ballpark, right? Nobody saw the game. Right. Only if you were at the park. So you're listening to this and you're imagining what's going on. And it's absolutely brilliant. It's a masterpiece of radio. So go to YouTube, find the final inning. And it's out there. The final yeah. inning uh, yesterday. of the radio call, the final inning of Koufax's uh, perfect game against the Cubs. It is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Before we go, mm-hmm. the California Angels set a record the other day that may never be broken. It's, it's, they hit seven home runs against the Oakland A's in one game. All solo homers two by Shohei Otani and lost eight, seven to Oakland never happened before in baseball history. Team hits seven home runs loses. How about that? Amazing. Just every time a team gets to seven, you get a little nervous because Toronto still got that record with the 10 that we hit that, that, right. that day. So. Um, do we have a, do we have a, a final poll or is there a, uh, you know, I'm lots going on here. I did keep an eye on it. There are definitely uh fans of yours that agree with you that he should get invited some people say he won't accept it anyway but they should invite him some people say uh, they shouldn't invite him i know i don't have final tallies but my i'll just say this conversation's fun and all but zero percent chance that robbie alomar is invited to this zero you don't know that right you know know it no i don't i don't know that at all rip a sticker off his uh the dome and then say hey come to our really What if you went to all the other players and said, look, we're thinking, and all of them said, is Robbie Alomar going to be there? The Blue Jays brand, right? Like, you cannot invite this man. What if Dave Winfield says, I'm not coming unless Robbie Alomar is there? Joe Carter says, I'm not going to come unless Robbie Alomar is there. Anyway, it's something for another day to discuss, but it's something to consider. It was a team. It was a team. He's not a convicted felon. That's it for episode 296 of Hebsy on Sports. Thanks to Toronto Mike, as always, for production and inspiration. Hit him up at Toronto Mike and listen to his excellent podcast. He's got some great guests. Thanks to our fabulous sponsor, Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. Go to crosswindsgolf.com, book your tee time online, and save $10 per golfer. And thanks to you for allowing us into your headspace. Back with another exciting episode next week. Until then, have a great weekend. So long for now.